I, I had this uh, concern at one point when I didn't know that we still had two episodes stored up and I thought that we were about to run out. I was like, oh god, am I going to have to interview or start a show where it's just like, hey everybody, welcome to a subpar episode of the Do Better Dev Show. Uh, here's your second favorite co-host, Nathan. Just, just me. Uh, welcome everyone to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. I am here again with your most favorite co-host, Nathan, today. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. I am with the most beloved co-host on the show. Everyone's so, think... at least second favorite co-host. Uh, at least. Rumor has it from those, it's a from those listeners we have. Uh, yeah. I actually checked our YouTube stats the other day and then closed it because it wasn't much to look at. But uh, some people have heard a few minutes of the show. Yeah, and if you look at Anchor, there's apparently plays. So somebody on the podcast is listening. Somebody out there, and we appreciate you. Somebody out there. Yeah, and we appreciate you, random human or non-human. We don't know who you are, but if you're non-human, very impressive. <laughs> no doubt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we will accept you into the tech world. So, yeah, thanks for listening to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whoever or whatever you may be. Um, yeah, but today's episode is special uh, because we are starting a little themed episodes. The next couple of episodes will be in the same series of the stuff we're going to talk about today. And the theme, as you probably already read from the title, is interview series. We are going to, it's interview season again, it's end of March, Q1 just finished, everybody has their budgets and they're going to start filling up people for Q2. So we just wanted to start talking about what are the things we look out for and general experiences that we've seen on what do you do before the interview process starts, what do you do during and after. Walk you through the whole process. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to us and yeah, share your interview experiences with us. Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny when you suggested the, or when you first mentioned to me that it was interview season. Because I was like, what? No, it's not. Like, and I haven't heard anything. And then I went to bed that night and woke up in the morning, had like four or five different messages just because it's all from a different time zone. So I wake up to messages that were sent at their start of day. I was like, oh, Giang was right. <laughs> all the messages are starting to, to come in from recruiters. So that'll be uh, my contribution is m I'm far less active than uh, Giang maybe, or maybe you out there tend to be with searching for jobs. So... Uh, different perspectives, but I, th I did think it was funny because I don't pay even enough attention to know what season it is as far as this goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nathan's just so high in demand. He just like starts filtering these things. Out. That's right. I just but yeah, it's overwhelming. All the all the offers, <laughs> they're just knocking down my door. Yeah. Whew. So if you're a potential recruiter listening out there, just like don't even try. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> If you're offering a solid package and everything, doesn't matter because Nathan's yep. just too cool. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, you're out of luck. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, unless you're from Spotify, then he contributed to some of your code, so hire him because that's just unpaid labor, man. That's right. Yeah, even though it was open source contribution. Yeah, uh, that was that was pre-dev show. It had to have been, right? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, so that was actually... I, I didn't bring anything specific for cool tech things from the past week, so what I'll, I'll just riff, riff on this a little bit, which was uh, one of my goals for last year was to do my first open source contribution. 
And I did one, as Gian mentioned, through Spotify. And I just found this, I did two different um, tickets. And I found a repo that was all TypeScript and, or mostly TypeScript, and they wanted to convert the remaining parts that were JS into TypeScript. So I picked up that one, and then there was this other piece, I don't even remember what it was at this point. Oh, uh, building a, uh, just a small widget. And so essentially that one was super simple, and the, big, the most interesting part of it was just adding, uh, or using Storybook, it was my first time using Storybook, was in that uh, open source project. And I recommend doing that sort of thing, because it was, surprisingly fun. I wouldn't do it all the time. I don't see a future where I'm spending a ton of my time contributing to open source uh, for free because <laughs> uh, it did take up quite a bit of time. But for having said, hey, I've actually contributed to open source one time, it was cool and they were very nice. So my two cents is if you want to contribute something, you can check out Spotify because they were very welcoming, helpful, and appreciative of the contribution. Yeah, and you know, contributing to open source is also a good way to, you're bored, you want to do some development, but you don't want to start another side project mm -hmm. and you know, fail at it like I have many times. So start a project that you know probably will get used, your contributions are appreciated, and you get to still do a little bit of coding, learn something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I worked with a few different things I hadn't worked with before, and it's since come up. So. Turns out that I, I chose well, but either way, it was still fun to work with something different that I'd only watched a presentation on. Um, one of our, one of the speakers at Startup Slam that year had talked about uh, Storybook. Yeah, so if you're a recruiter from Spotify, you know you know somebody who's actively looking into the code. Yeah, that was the plan at the Hi, time. Nathan. That was my backup plan, was if everything goes, goes horribly wrong, with lockdowns and then my company goes like a business or lays me off. I was like, I, I'll go try Spotify, but. Yeah, you don't even need to make a resume. Your resume is just one page with the link to the pull request. <laughs> That's right. It's just <laughs> white PDF, one link, my email address. You don't need anything else. Yeah, third line, you know who you have to do this yeah. and then, yeah, it's just your heart. Yeah, do you have anything cool or interesting from the past week that you brought in to share? Yeah, so uh, given that I just started talking about VR, I'm probably going to talk about that for a little while more. Um, but the cool thing that I found and loved this week was um, the Oculus Quest 2 has two very neat features. One of them is it has hand tracking. So if you're bored and tired of using the controllers for too long, in the main screen and some of the digital theater apps, you can just use your hands to move things around, YouTube and everything. Uh, so you can put the controllers aside, and that's pretty neat. Um, second, it has a feature where you can put your actual home couch as a couch in the VR world. You can track it. And then it counts that as a safe space. So you could move from whatever guardian boundary you've drawn, where you stand up and play, to just go lie on your couch and then play games either in a sitting position or watch something. I used it for watching because I was looking at, I downloaded the Prime Video app on it, and their movie theater looks so cool. I know it's VR, I know it's animated, and it looks very cartoonish, but the fact that the screen is far away enough, and 
when you lie down on your own couch, it feels like you're on a really nice theater seat. And when the movie starts, the lights dim and everything goes back and then it turns on at the end. And that was just really cool. I just sort of wish there were like little dummy people in the theater I could throw my popcorn at or something. Um, but it was still, it was still very neat. Like I miss going to theaters and just having that little stupid but incredibly fun experience uh, was totally worth it. I think the last movie I saw in theaters may have been Sonic. Oh man, <laughs> so you, you ended on a high note. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> did you watch a whole movie with the headset on? Uh, about an hour and a half of it. I'd watched, it was a Bollywood movie, it was like three hours long. Okay. So I watched most of it when I was on the flight to Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the rest I'd been wanting to finish. So yeah, I watched probably an hour and a half, and since I was lying down on the couch and my head was tilted, uh, the headset didn't feel as heavy or tight. Mm -hmm. And since I wasn't moving or playing any games, I didn't sweat or it felt gross or anything. So overall, comfortable experience. I could probably watch a whole three-hour movie just sitting in that. Because I'm, what I'm curious about is if you felt immersed in the environment the whole time or if you kept realizing like oh yeah I'm watching this from a VR theater I was pretty aware that it was a VR theater okay. uh, but it felt very much like a real one like every time I would like stretch my neck or move the view moves with me it's not like the screen stays in one place so there are many times when you feel you know it's not real mm. but like it was real enough that it's been like a, over a year. I don't even know what movie theaters look like anymore. I, I have a memory of a goldfish, so I don't I don't know what Cineplex was like before this all this happened. Uh, so this is my new reality now. So if you look side to side, the screen stayed in front of your face. It didn't. You didn't look away. Oh from no! The then then it remains there. Oh, um, okay. So the whole view doesn't move with you. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like the. Because when you're moving your you're moving your head, you you still see the ceiling, but you see the like the dis distance isn't as much as it would be in real life. Right. In real life, if I like look up and stretch, my peripherals are probably not catching the theater, depending on where I'm sitting, because mm -hmm. they do seat you always in the middle in the virtual theater. Right. Uh, That's good. They don't yeah. give you really bad seats. That would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a weird feature. Just like they're like, oh no, you're in the very front. Yeah. Sorry, you have to watch the whole movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neck cramps from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> so that was my my cool tech thing this past week. Nice. Yeah, I'm just waiting for uh, today's the sixth. Yeah. So tomorrow is Rocket League season three starting. So I'll do all the placement matches, and uh, I cheesed my way to platinum rank by accident. And because it turns out that nobody plays um, whatever the ice hockey one is. I'm forgetting what it's called. Snow Day. Nobody plays Snow Day. So the people that were in there were horrible. And I had to play 10 Snow Day games for a one of the challenges, the weekly challenges, to get like 20K experience or something. So I played 10 of them. And it turns out that I was just better than most of the people in my region because nobody plays Snow Day. And so it got me to 10 wins in plat. And it says I'm plat, even though I'm totally not plat in soccer. Uh, I'm like gold two, so still pretty bad, but getting there. 
and uh, we'll see if I can get plot for next season. So if you're in West Coast, North America, make sure to kick Nathan's butt. Yeah, that's right. If you see NW, it's an comments, open challenge. Yeah, yeah. I only connect to US West right now. Um, yeah. Because I had it set to recommended, and then it would sometimes just be like, "There's not enough people in US West. We're gonna send you to Asia." And I'm like, "Ah, my latency is so bad, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm getting like 400 ping. This is not good." So, anyway. I think we should probably yeah, talk about it. Yeah, Calvang, tell your friends. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, we you said the keyword, so I <laughs> Yeah, make sure everybody knows, <laughs> uh, knows what to do. Um, I think it's time to actually talk about the topic of the day. Of course. Um, yeah, so interview series, before you start applying for interviews, having interviews, uh, I thought the very first thing we should talk about is the mindset. Um, getting into that interviewing mindset of, a, why do you want to switch your job if you don't if you already have one if you don't have one it's pretty clear why you want a job because our economy and your life may collapse um, and yeah and then there is a couple of questions and concerns I thought we should like keep in mind if you're switching jobs especially of uh, things like how much and a lot of this applies even if you're not switching if you're just going for jobs is number one of course that everybody looks at salary um, depending on your needs. Um, like I always say salary is secondary to me, but it's still a pretty big decision-making point uh, of when I'm looking for jobs. But yeah, depending on your situation, salary might be the primary thing. Go where you feel like you're valued the most. Um, other things like, actually, you know, let, let's talk about salary for a bit. Uh, what are the things you do, Nathan, before jobs for salary? And doing your research and knowing how much you're worth. <laughs> I've done a very poor job of that up to this point. Uh, <laughs> so one of the mistakes I made early on was I I think this, this was a result of the initial bad decision, which was a lack of information. So if you're relocating, it's not necessarily a good idea to take the word of the HR person that you're talking to on whether like how that will do cost of living wise. So for context, I was living in student housing in London, Ontario, and then got my first dev job over in BC without ever having been in BC. I just moved there for the job. So my rent tripled and my grocery bill at least doubled and I was making the same amount of money that I was making in London, but I was now making it in Victoria. And at the time in London, I had paid off all my student loans in a year. So it was like, I had 14K, paid them off in about a year. So I was like, I have this surplus, clearly I'm okay, but that's fine if you're paying $400 a month for rent, not so much if you're paying 12 to $1,300 a month on rent and twice as much on groceries and $100 for internet and everything else that comes with living on the island. So my initial mistake there was not knowing the, how serious the delta was in cost of living for downtown London versus, or the Western bubble in that case where I was living versus downtown Victoria. Eastern bubble? No, it's called the Western bubble because it's around the University of Western Ontario. Oh, okay. And also it's called Southwestern Ontario. So that's why it's called that. 
um, for some reason, even though it's not all that Western, it's mostly just South. But I would recommend that if you're looking to relocate, which I've also considered relocating recent, like within the last year, and I was looking at different countries, and even that, I was, it's so hard to know what the actual cost of things is when you are just trying to read things online. Everything's like from 2017. You're like, is this still current? I don't really know. Um, and in some places that would be fine. In a place like Victoria, it just so happens that by the, when I moved here, you know, three to five years previous, rents would have been about half of what they were when I moved here. So that changed very quickly. So if I'd looked at stuff from five years before, it would have been totally out of date. And I don't know, I'm curious if you have any ideas as someone who's switched countries before, if there's any way of getting real information or if it's just something to try to hedge your bets and be aware of as much as possible with relocation. I, I rely on like marketplaces. Um, so instead of finding out on some website what the average rent is, mm -hmm. I just go look at all the listings from on that location I try. I still use the web to find the websites that offer the rent, and then I, then I start like making this sheet of okay, depending on the two one bedroom or whatever, these are the average rental rates, for example. And be between smaller distances, the difference can be huge, uh, huge. Uh, from Victoria to Vancouver, you could like I can afford a one bedroom in Victoria. I cannot afford a one bedroom in Vancouver. And they're, they're just a ferry right away. So things like that where you go onto whatever the website is to look at average rental. I don't know how people do food. I have no clue how you would figure that out if your expenses are going to increase. I would probably just post a Reddit thread and just have people who live there respond to me. Uh, again, that's a longer, that could be longer depending on where you are. Maybe Facebook groups. Facebook groups do, did help me uh, like make some initial contacts when I was moving to Canada. Uh, if you're whatever location you're in, you can probably hunt them down. Uh, there's got to be some open groups, and Facebook is the excellent place for people to give you your opinions, even if you want it or not wanted it. So you'll get lots of data, and then you do your due diligence of okay, what's my error rate? How accurate or this could be, and then you can get a pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. That's what I think, yeah. Yeah, and so once you've got, hopefully you make a good decision initially on uh, not getting yourself in a situation where you are uh, underpaid relative to the cost of living in that situation. Um, so assuming that you're at a good baseline already, when you're considering your next role, uh, something that I will try to do is just get some interviews in. One, it's good for practice, uh, just to be ready for the jobs that you want. But if you get to the point where they're giving you an offer, then you at least have some numbers to work with. And that's better than having one point of data where you're like, they offered me this, does it seem fair? If you've at least got a few, you can kind of balance them out and consider the trade-offs. Like, it's hard to compare something like AWS, if you're gonna work there, to a startup. And you have to be aware that they're not gonna give you the same salary and total compensation, but they're also not giving you the same type of work. So some startups will be more fun and casual, loose, but kind of fly by the seat of your pants, can be stressful, can be fun. And then a bigger company is going to be much more bureaucratic, 
much more consistent, but can oftentimes come with a lot of consistent pressure and expectations. And you can usually get a sense from, if you're, especially when you're, if you're able to interview in the office as opposed to remote work, if you're going in there, you get a feel for what it's going to be like a little bit just by being around the people that are there. And you can weigh those options for yourself. But if you can get similar interviews, so like when I've interviewed, it's typically been for Victoria Tech startups. And I can compare those fairly easily. They're all located in roughly the same place, similar pool of applicants that they're working with, similar size companies. And if one's offering me 40, 50% more than another one, I know like, all right, one of these is, is not like the other. And you can get some, uh, some leverage from that point, just especially if you want to pick one, just being like, hey, what you're offering doesn't seem to make sense with what I'm seeing elsewhere. Can we talk about this? I'd like the opportunity. Or you just say no, and if you care more about salary than I do, you just take the one with the offers the most. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, and th those those talks can be like those are some of the red flags you should look for. Like, if you talk to a company and you're like, "Hey, this seems like half of whatever the market average according to my research looks like," and they respond with, "But we have ping pong tables," uh, then you know you're probably not stepping into the right place financially. Mm -hmm. You might join it and then you'll have a lot of fun. They'll probably party every second weekend and you'll enjoy it quite a bit. But then like sooner or later you'll realize that's just, that's where all the money is going and that's why you're not getting it. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh -huh. and you may not want to stick around there. Um, I found Glassdoor to be relatively accurate for like averaging out salaries. Always look at how much data they've gotten like if it's a company and they've gotten like five salary reviews it may not be completely accurate uh, sometimes it could be recent so make sure you look out for that but yeah if it's a company with like 200 people who gave their salary and they, there's a bandwidth then you can be pretty sure of what the market average uh, looks like there yeah and make sure that you choose your location if it's available and definitely your job and level of your job so don't just, if you can, don't just go with developer if you are a junior and then expect to make whatever they're listed as their average for all developers. And that includes seniors and people with 25 years experience and you just graduated. Uh, that's going to be fake news. And if you're in Canada, definitely try to be aware if you're looking at like Silicon Valley salaries because <laughs> those don't apply to you. Yeah. Not even Silicon, if you're looking at Seattle, you, you'd think it's just across the border how much difference there could be. Just a ferry ride. Huge. Yeah. So much, such a difference, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll be in US dollars, not Canadian. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, look, look out for those things. Um, and then yeah, measure your options. But yeah, the cost of living is massive, massive difference to look at. Um, I didn't account for it, and just like Nathan, I got screwed over on that. Um, much, like starting salary was very low, but my office had a ping pong table, and they played beer pong, and there was lots of other fun things to do, so I survived, and I was happy uh, until I wasn't. Yeah, mine had a foosball table, so I know it's ah, like, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And they eventually went out of business, so. There you go. Tends to See, happen. <laughs> You, you'll find out those those things and you uh, go for them. Uh, second, second option I generally look or evaluate is growth. 
is there a growth trajectory you can follow at the company depending on the size of the company if you're a junior developer you might want to make sure there are some other senior or more experienced developers who you can learn from um, if you are you know strong intermediate and you pick a small sized company and then you learn you keep doing what you're always doing you've always done uh, and there is no real growth it's just the same thing in different languages um, the job may not stay appealing regardless of how much they're paying you sooner or later you're just gonna hate your job um, so look for career growth and trajectory in the ways that matters to you mm -hmm. um, because tech is ever-evolving and if you don't grow with it you'll end up in like a very small pool of hiring hireable candidates and before you know it you'll be like but I, I was p being paid so much and but I did the same thing and now that company has shut down and now I'm in the market and I have no skills to offer yeah yeah it's one of the big draws of the company I'm currently at was I was going to get a chance to work with much more senior level developers who when I interviewed them were clearly very excited about what they were doing and it stood out so much to me that I was like I just want to work with these guys like they were it was a fun interview which helped but also you could see how enthusiastic they were about the stuff they were building and when you've got somebody with you know a lot of experience bringing that level of enthusiasm if you're looking to learn that's and you at least if you're anything like me that's an environment that's very conducive to that uh, because if they're always excited about what the new things that they're introducing and trying to figure out better ways of doing what we're already doing those ways will trickle down to whatever you're working on you get to see you know code that was committed in 2016 and you go are we doing it like this? And they're like, oh no, we don't do it like that anymore. And then you get to learn about why uh, things have changed since then. Uh, you get to see their, their thought patterns evolve over time and then pass that on to you. So again, that's as a intermediate trending towards more senior, like more roles are starting to come my way that are labeled as so-called senior. And at this point, that's what's really important to me when I was looking for my first job, it was literally just whatever company would hire me. And in hindsight, it worked out really well that I ended up at the company that I did. And I think I've mentioned this on past episodes. If you're a junior looking to learn, my, I, can, I can only have one of the experiences, I can't have both, but it seems like the opportunity to work at a startup that has just a lot of things going on and you get way more responsibility than you should is a great way to learn. And I got to touch a lot more stuff and work on a lot more projects than I probably should have with the experience that I had at the time. And if I were in, if I'd somehow gotten like a government job or something, I don't know that I would have had nearly the breadth or diversity of experiences that I got from working on a team that was uh, so like, on fire all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, that is correct. Uh, you have to you have to make that balance of right. If if you want a more st stable thing with a slower growth curve or lots of growth, but you don't get paid as much um, because there's opportunities. And when you're you know starting out, you don't actually even have that much of a choice. But these are the things you may want to look at to at least have the mindset or direction of where you want to go or 
if you have two competing offers uh, to pick the one where, you know, when you do these interviews, talk to them, figure out how big is the team size, how much they like to share information, what their process is for that. If there is no real collaboration between the team, then it's you're going to go in and you're going to be a code monkey. They're going to give you tasks and they're going to expect you to do them. And especially if you're starting out, you have no idea, then you feel even more nervous to ask because nobody's really collaborating all that much mm -hmm. from the beginning. So I've, I've definitely had friends who, you know, go work for decently like large businesses and they're junior and they, they have never worked in the real world before school. And now they're being given all these assignments with deadlines without guidance. And they don't want to, you know, imposter syndrome is very real when you're starting out and probably at forever when you're in tech. Um, <laughs> That's me. So <laughs> that's everyone. <laughs> uh, I feel like whoever doesn't have imposter syndrome just has a big ego, and maybe they're confident. Maybe they are more well adjusted. Who knows? Maybe. But <laughs> uh, one thing that I'll say is that at m this point in my career, I have found a company I really like working at, and I'm being paid sufficiently that I don't have to worry about my cost of living directly. So one of the big things it does affect my decision or interest in a company at luckily at this point I get to have this luxury is something like the stack that they're using so there's a lot of recruiters reaching out for some reason about Ruby on Rails back-end developer stuff and it's like three out of five messages seems to be do you want to be a senior Ruby on Rails developer and I'm like I don't actually I really don't and <laughs> especially after having not had to work with it not having not had to work with it for a few years. It's not like it's horrible, but I've spent the last few years just working on Python projects and I'm not really interested in writing Ruby. I've done Ruby for some uh, like take home assignments that I've done for other companies that are like looking to hire and I just want to see if the company's interesting. So I do their t take home, please build something in Rails assignment. And it's fine, but as, you know, personally, I'd rather work with other stacks. And so generally, unless the company's really interesting, that's an initial downvote for me. Whereas before I just would have kind of ignored it and been like, doesn't really matter what the stack is. If the team seems cool, the company's interesting and I like what they're doing, I'll just work there. I'm a bit more picky now because I get to be and just say, ah, it's a vote against you at least. If Obviously I can override it. I've considered things before that are um, still using Ruby. But given all of the things equal, it would be enough for me to maybe even override salary on that sort of thing. Yeah, I remember I took my first job. Their interview happened in C, and the first assignment I was doing was C Sharp. And besides C++, I hated every other C language family. Um, but I took it because it was the one being offered and for a starting job they were giving a pretty decent salary um, but in three months I hated it so much I took a massive pay cut to go work at a startup <laughs> wow it, yeah <laughs> because I was being given that opportunity of you can have fun you can learn we don't have any money to give you though and I was like cool you guys seem fun um, which sort of touches on my third point of things to look out for uh, or things that you're looking for depending on the mindset is 
culture. Maybe you want to switch jobs because your current one is super toxic or you don't like it or that one guy you just rubbed off the wrong way and you just you don't want to be in that environment anymore. Um, and they're not about to leave, so maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is probably my first like this is my number one at this point. I've my my previous experience was so impactful that I would uh, much rather not have culture be a concern uh, going forward, and especially again the dif the difference between working in an environment that was well suited for me now versus one that was like the opposite of suited for me before, having those back to back really highlighted that for me, and. It would take it would take an ungodly pile of money for me to consider moving to a company that I am skeptical about their culture at this point because it's just such a non-starter and I think if you have the ability to you know pay your bills and be happy with what you're making I highly recommend not going somewhere that you think isn't going to be a good culture fit or likewise, leaving somewhere right away if you can, that is a really bad culture fit and you know it to be the case. And an important thing to note with that, this is, isn't gonna be anything too long because it's not specific about interviewing, but try to remember that culture for a company is good for some people and not good for others. So the company I currently work at, someone I used to work with, went to that company, hated it so much they left after a few months and went back to the place that I didn't like and I went to fill their spot at the company I'm currently at and I love it. So it's not like one company's bad and one company's good. Sometimes that can happen, but generally speaking, it'll be personalities, it'll be approaches to work and it differs from person to person. So you don't have to necessarily feel guilty about leaving a company if you feel like it's not suiting you because somebody else is probably gonna take that spot and they're gonna like it a lot more the company's gonna be happy to have somebody that likes it. Just don't hang around just because you hate it and feel bad about leaving. Yeah, and, and that's a very good point. Like, if you like where you are, um, that's a plus for the company as well. Like, the if the company likes you having there and you like being there, salary negotiations, better projects, hiring decisions, everything becomes so much easier and smoother. Um, once, once there is like this mutual benefit, beneficial, you know, treaty. If, if you, if you don't like it or they don't like you, then, you know, it's worse if they don't like you because <laughs> then you don't get the projects or the money or anything you want. Um, but if you don't like them, I don't know, you're just going to hate going to a place. Like it's every day. You have to, it's not that, oh my, my God, sometimes they're bad. If they're bad, you're gonna hit it every single day. You show up for work, and that's the first thing you do in the morning. So, be be very very cautious of that. And generally, you can pick up more on that during the interviews. Um, you can even request to like talk to some of the team members. I did that at one of the companies. I was done through most of the interview process, and I was just like, I just want to get a feel of what the team is like. So I just sat down and talked with the team. Uh, it was very informal. Uh, chatted about just some informal stuff, how they work and everything, and I seemed to dig the vibe, so I took the job. So Yeah, I think it's crazy not to do that. Like, that companies will hire 
especially small companies, will hire for a team and not have that team talk to the candidate just seems crazy to me. But if you know that you're not interviewing with your team and you are given the chance to ask, definitely ask to talk with them, even if they're not going to give you a full interview. Because if you don't like them in the five-minute like first impressions chat, that's not a good sign. You're not going to like them a whole lot more five months later. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are the things I had on the mindset section. Anything else you want to add on before on the mindset? I don't think so. I'd made a mental note early on that I wanted to cover more about salary, but I think I touched on that throughout the other points, just how those other things are above salary for me at this point, and yeah. that you don't have to feel... Uh, weird about it if that's not your first choice uh, like the most important thing to you there at least is one other weirdo out there that much yeah. much more considers culture fit to be a big deal same I, I have been called crazy because on two different on one occasion I took a pay cut of about 25% uh, going to a different company that was my first one and in my second one it was, it was probably around a good 15 to 20% pay cut again of switching or choosing a company over another company just because I wanted to work there. I liked the culture more. And one person straight up just denied me that. They're like, there's no way somebody does that. And I was, I was like, okay. <laughs> like the only thing I can do to convince them is show them that the signed offers I got from both companies. And at that point, I was like, this person's not worth it. Like, why would I try to prove them that I don't care about money as much as they do? But yeah, it's very important that you look out for that. Maybe we're biased coming in from us. We just like our mental health more than some arbitrary number in our bank account because we are we have pretty basic necessities on yeah. the I lifestyle think, elite. I think it does matter, too. You probably have to go through a bit of feeling like you really don't want to go to work and have that comparison with the company that suits you and you actually look forward to going to work. Because uh, if you don't have that, it's a bit abstract and it might be hard to understand why it would matter. But if you feel like a new human after taking a week off and then you realize you need to move to another company, like just move to another company. Yeah. 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 If you wake up on Monday and you don't hate going to work, that's a huge win. It's like you, you're like in a higher category than most people who hate their job. That's right, yeah. Or everybody who you hate their job. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other things that you didn't get to about how to pick a salary? Because that's probably the thing I'm the worst at, just like knowing what I should be arguing for. I, gen I generally just do, like I do the analysis on Glassdoor, LinkedIn, whatever averages. Mm -hmm. And then I look at what I'm being paid currently. I look at if I start leaving this company, what is the amount they're going to offer me to stay? Because uh, every company that I've worked for until now offered me a lot more money than they were paying me after leaving to stay. And that always pissed me off mm -hmm. because in my head it was, so you have the money, you think I'm worth deserving this, but you're just not paying it to me. Uh, so that ended up being a negative thing for me on every company that has offered me that. But I take that number and use that at my next job of, hey, this is how much I should be getting paid. And 
venue network. So I, I network quite a bit, uh, or I used to at least pre-COVID network quite a bit. And so I had a pretty good idea of what tech salaries were like of people and always have the band of people below you and above you because then you know if you're being underpaid or not. Uh, sometimes people above me at certain companies were even only being paid like an upwards of five to 10 grand. Um, whereas other companies, there was like a good 40 grand band. So if the bands are larger, you know you can negotiate more. Um, but if you, talk, if you know somebody who is junior than you, significantly, not like six months or a year, but if they're like at least two years junior than you and has less responsibilities, and they make the same amount as you, you're gonna hate that. Um, and there's other factors. One of the jobs I worked at told me the other person who's making the same has a family and everything, which I don't. Uh, so it was okay for them to pay me less. And I got really mad because I was like, well, I guess I'll just go start a family <laughs> if I want to get paid more given that my work has actually nothing to do with how much I'm getting paid. Um, so just things like that, uh, keep in mind, but definitely having as much salary data as possible is great. One of the things I like to do now is if I'm talking to a recruiter and they're like, what are your salary expectations? I always flip the question and say, what is the band that you pay? You have to have a lower and upper range. No company will offer a job unless they have that. So I always inquire for that. And if my expectation is higher than the band, then I come out right. And sometimes we don't even move forward after the phone call interview. Yeah. Um, but I've, yeah, I've been surprised how easy that's actually been to, to yeah. do. I thought it wouldn't work very well. Like I thought I would ask and they would just not provide it because that was my experience with AWS, where it's like, well, I don't know, maybe I don't know. Uh, whereas like other companies, are just kind of say, you know, what range are you looking to hire for? And it's a genuine question because it tells yeah. you a lot about not only their budget for like what they're willing to spend on employees, but also what level of employee they're looking to fill with that role with right now. Because like if it's just software developer and they say half of what you're expecting, you're like, all right, well, this is just clearly you're looking for someone with a different experience level than I have. So that's not a good fit. And Likewise, if it's like double what you expected, maybe be prepared that you're gonna not have the most successful <laughs> interviews uh, because you're probably well underqualified for that. And yeah. on the other hand, if it's roughly what you're expecting, maybe a little bit above, maybe a little bit below, then you can at least let them know, like, oh, I was expecting a little bit more, or if it's a little bit above, you just roll through it and see if you can get into that range. But that's been surprisingly consistent for me. I did not think that would work, and more or less, they're just like, yep, yeah, we're looking to hire between this and this, and do you want to know anything else? And usually ask about benefits or something, but uh, yeah, don't be concerned, because apparently recruiters are forthcoming with that information, after all. Yeah, because they, they're given a bunch of information, and they're being told to hire. Unless they're like super micromanaged by the leadership or whatever the company, they're going to be pretty open about, okay, this is the range I've been given. If you're really good, I can talk to them about more money based on whatever experience you bring in. But more often than not, they'll just be like, this is the criteria we have, it's a contract, we need to fill it, this is what you're getting paid. Mm -hmm. And then you can then you can negotiate, like, you can easily negotiate five to 10% over whatever band they tell you, depending on if you're qualified or not. But for the most part, 
asking them the question will at least ensure you didn't miss out by saying 20 grand less or 30 grand less than whatever the band was. Mm -hmm. Because that's what your salary perception is because that's what your underpaid company pays you. Yes, and that's what I did for two years, like two companies in a row, back to back, and then actually three in a row. Because I just accepted the first one and then sort of just rolled from there. And uh, don't do that. Take the end's advice. Don't do what I do. Yeah. Even though I haven't worked on this advice, like I've done this and I got successfully a higher offer. And then didn't take and it. And ended up going to the low. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is these tactics work. So if you're not me, you can make more money. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> or you can be happy. I guess you can do both. I don't know. That's a philosophical question. We can we can do another episode on. Yeah, I don't think necessarily it's guaranteed that if you're paid more, you'll be less happy. But I would rather cry on my jet ski than on my bicycle. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I suppose. I'm not really a water a water guy, so. I'd... Fine, cry in your car. There you go. Cry in your penthouse apartment so nobody is above you and can see you cry. There you go. You know. Yeah, uh, and the next point I had was um, looking for jobs, how you can hunt or how you can get hunted, um, not in the primal sense, but you know, how you can get hunted by recruiters. Um, on the very top of my list is LinkedIn, use it. They're not our sponsor, I wish they were, but I still can't, can't stand not recommending them. Like, they're so good, LinkedIn has offered me I think a good 60 to 70% of job offers I have gotten without asking came because I have a strong LinkedIn profile. Yeah, so make sure like it has all the keywords, you can, your job experience, it is your live, like living resume. So as much as you can make it, if you're actively hunting, LinkedIn has this option where you can just set that, hey recruiters, I'm looking for a job. And then it has this neat feature that Anybody who works at the same company as you won't see that, but everybody else does. So I don't have that set right now. I'm not actively hunting, um, but when I am, that's a very handy feature because then I can just turn it on, make sure nobody from my whatever employment place I'm working at can look at it. <laughs> uh, just so I don't have to feel any awkward questions at work. Nobody wants to like talk to their workplace while they're hunting for another job. Um, see, this is part of. This is part of me just not getting social cues because all my employers have always known I was in hunting for other jobs whenever I was. Uh, but I also go through LinkedIn primarily and the only other thing I did uh, was actually before I moved to something else, LinkedIn. If you want an example of how to make your LinkedIn really good, just go to Gens because I basically just copied his. I looked at how he had his uh, experience listed and went, wow, these descriptions are really good. Let me take that format and translate it to my experience so I'm not pretending to be a DevOps person and just put a bunch of, uh, you know, crappy front-end stuff. And it seems to have worked reasonably well. Uh, and besides that, the other thing I did, this led to more people reaching out in a short period of time than has ever happened before was I did a Startup Slam conference talk and then yeah within the following two to four weeks after that 
my inbox was just bombarded. So I don't know what exactly happened with my email, but it got out there and suddenly everybody was in my inbox. So it, it works if you can get yourself in that sort of situation in a post-COVID world uh, when we have public events again and you have something you want to talk about. And obviously if you're really bad at public speaking or you have nothing good to say, it's not ideal. But if you have something to talk about and you think you can deliver it well, then that can be a great way to make a strong impression on the, your local community. So it seems to have worked for me. And uh, otherwise, yeah, it's just LinkedIn. There's, at this time of year, you know, it happens in quarters pretty much. There will be multiple emails per day, at least some per week that just roll in. And most of them are senior Ruby on Rails developer positions and I just ignore them. But occasionally there's good ones and those ones, I try to respond to all of them. That's another thing. It's helpful if you're dealing with a lot of local recruiters to just be nice to them. And the number of times that, I shouldn't say the number of times, it's happened a number of times where I've responded nicely to somebody, just you know, said, hey, I'm not interested in this position right now. If they offer from a company that sounds interesting, but the job doesn't interest me, I'll just let them know I'm not really looking, that doesn't sound like a good fit, I'm more in this area, and this is more what I'm looking for. If you come up with that in the future, feel free to reach out again. That sort of thing, or I'm not looking right now, but feel free to reach out again, good luck with your candidate search. Most recruiters will at least reply being like, oh, thank you, I appreciate that, and then ignore you from that point on, which is what you want. But then they'll follow up later if you were nice to them, versus if you're not, they might just ignore you and not message again, which if you're trying to get rid of everybody, that could be a strategy. But if you want to leverage this in the future, it's not a good idea to offend everybody and be mean to everybody. Just be nice, even if you're not looking, that's fine. And just uh, be a good person. Yeah, very, very good point. Because I remember every time I wasn't interested, um, I just feel like, hey, I'm not currently interested. LinkedIn also has this little button. If you click on not interested, it fills out this message for you. And then it's just like, let's stay connected. So you add them to your LinkedIn connections. And it's not like Facebook, I guess. You don't really care who's in your LinkedIn profile because it's all professional stuff. And it's super helpful because last year when I did want to have a change of job, I went on to LinkedIn. By that time, my employer knew, so I just put a LinkedIn status of, hey, I'm looking to switch jobs. And my DM was like crazy, crazy blessed for the next few days or weeks until I had to respond to recruiters being like, oh, I've been hired and thank you for reaching out. I don't need this anymore. And if you have people in your network that like you, they'll reshare it. And before you know it, like recruiter who you never even thought of or company because of somebody else, because there's somebody else's connection has seen that you're looking for a job, they'll check out your profile. And that's when having a really good LinkedIn will help because if they can basically see your resume on what your skill set are and what other things you're looking for, they will immediately hit you up and then you can start hunting. And again, another great point Nathan brought up of Startup Slam, so networking. Find whatever events you can uh, in Canada, a good virtual one you can probably do that I can think of the top of my head is Ladies Learning Code or Canada Learning Code, basically. If you know how to do some tech work, you don't have to be an expert. You can work as a mentor 
there's a very easy process of becoming a mentor. And then they have a very large community. So your email can get circulated there. Uh, they will share it out with people they know. And it's just one of these like nice little, you know, tree effect, if that's even a real term. <laughs> the hands, the hand gestures explained it all. It'll be fine. Yeah, go onto the YouTube. Anybody who's listening to the podcast, it's just, it's just weird jazz hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make sure you watch in real time all the way up to this point because we need that watch time up. <laughs> yes, please do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are those are generally the things I look for. If you have projects and everything, you know, everything helps. Having a social media presence, and by social media, I don't mean having a really good Instagram, like. If you have your own personal site or projects, or if your GitHub is easily searchable through your name, um, it'll help you out because some recruiters do look at that stuff. Like some of them won't even look at any actual work you've done on your GitHub. They'll just look at, oh, he has like 40 repositories, he must be good, <laughs> and then forward you to the technical interview, which is all the push you need to, you know, go through the process. Wow. So, yeah, having a good social media presence, LinkedIn, make it good, please. Uh, I cannot emphasize how important it is, and yeah, at least before you're going through the process, this this is the big one I I can think of. If you're really picky, uh, what I used to do was I would go and look every single tech company that's in my walking or busing, like in my city area that's easily accessible, and then I would either find their hiring manager on LinkedIn or go to the website, find the e HR person's email, instead of applying through whatever their portals are because I don't trust them, I would just directly hit that person, uh, an email and just send something and say, hey, I'm looking for a job, please hire me, uh, with a little bit more context on why they should do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't send that, you know, they'll, they'll be sad. Mm -hmm. And before that, when I was even, when I was fresh out of school, I walked to, I walked downtown to every single tech company I could find online and I would just walk into the office and be like can I talk to a hiring person and I would just hand them a paper resume and say hire me I'm good even though I had no experience so basically you know that was sort of pseudo networking and one of my actually first job came through that process I feel like this is not the most Canadian thing uh, I feel like this might carry over from the homeland what? I was perfectly polite. No, 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 I'm not saying it's rude. I'm saying that I don't think it's a very common thing for Canadians to be like, I should approach a business and try to use a paper application uh, yeah, to, to get their attention. Nobody else, I don't know, nobody I knew was doing that. Nobody does that in the motherland either. Oh, okay. I, I just needed a job and I was not going to you know, not try, because I had nothing else to do. I was a fresh graduate and I was running out of money. Yeah, I, so. I think I tried this once after graduating and they were like, no, you have to apply online. And then I, <laughs> it was just a one-time failure and I went, oh, right. But see, that still works, because if they say that and then you still have to go apply online, mm -hmm. they'll remember your name. Because they'll be like, oh yeah, I read this name. That's the guy who showed up. Unless you were like completely not a nice person, they're going to probably be like, oh yeah, let's hit that guy. Obviously, I was very nice. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, hire me. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll apply online then. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
those are everything I can think of before you start intervening the process. Yeah, we didn't touch too much on deciding whether or not you should actually leave your job, but I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know if we want to dive into that. We're already, I think, at an hour-ish. We can touch that in the next episode. Okay. Because this is a series of sorts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be continued. To be continued. Please what? tune in to our next episode. Give us some watch time. How exciting. Yeah. If not, send us your address and I'll show up at your doorstep with my phone and like show you the video there. If that's how it's going to work. Just, I'm a committed person. He just wants that watch time. I do. And whatever it takes. I want the validation. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. That's, I think that, that covers the topic for today. So we'll close this off with the usuals. Uh, but I think you should start this time. How did your last week go? Did you do better at stuff? I did. Um, I have my whiteboard finally had some content on it. I have now divided my goals into a little bit more granularity of the things I want to do in smaller goals because I'm not as focused and work ethic as I used to be before my trip. So now I need smaller wins so I can feel like a productive person. And then I'm doing that cheesy thing of if I forget to add something on the list, but I do it, I write it on the list just so I can cross it off uh, to give myself a little boost. Um, so yeah, so in the last week, I fixed my timetable. I now have a proper time. I go to bed and wake up, have a morning routine. Um, but it's very much just around work. So now for the doing better for the upcoming week, it's actually having tasks and completing them of things like get back into reading, um, start doing some coding practices because my coding is completely rusty right now, unless you mean yeah, writing YAML files. Uh, and you know, I, I, I need to make sure I still can claim myself to be a software developer, just not in theory. And yeah, gonna do some coding, intro coding questions. Um, do some reading, and my mandatory lockdown finishes this weekend, so I can go back to the gym wow. after this. I, I'm i going to cry the, the first dumbbell or barbell I touch, and I'm just going to sit there and cry for a little while uh, with happiness. Yeah, with, without exaggeration, I, my, I did tear up a little bit after like six weeks of not being able to go to the gym uh, yeah. when it was all locked down that last year. I was like, I got, I, mean, it was, I got on like a spin bike because that was what I had access to. And just being in a gym area, I was like, I miss this so much. Same. At least six weeks sounds like a, like a decent time. Mine, my gym went bankrupt. So another company had to acquire them and they didn't resume operations until I think it was September last year. So from March till September, I was doing home workouts like a person who does home workouts. Wow. I was going to say loser, and then I was like, no, I still did something, and there's lots of people who work out at home, and they are perfectly more healthier than me in many cases. So mm -hmm. can't really say that, but as somebody who enjoys working out at the gym, six months, man. Yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you. So, yeah, that's my upcoming do better. 
get my crap together. Nice. So my doing better for last week, I didn't make this an official one because it was fairly weather dependent and spring in Victoria is pretty unpredictable weather-wise, but we had a really nice long weekend. So I spent a bunch of time outside and that was my primary goal for the weekend. I uh, went for a couple bike rides and did some longboarding, went for some long walks. Basically just got sun on my skin finally and uh, that always helps with my mood so I was pretty happy about that. Plus my one of the explicit do-betters that I mentioned last week was trying to be less fat and biking around helps with that and even though Haagen-Dazs was still on sale I did not buy any so that was good and essentially that's going to just be continuing on for a while so I won't mention it every week of just trying to be a bit less fat and get back uh, in a bit more cardio shape but other than that I need to actually do practice exams and get prepared for a real exam instead of sort of lackadaisically not pushing to get this done because Gian started asking me the other day whether like about one of the other exams and I went okay uh, Gian better not get this before me because I've been at this a while <laughs> I need to step up my game so I'll be trying to focus on that actually getting done getting it done within the first quarter would be nice or not first quarter I guess first third at this point of the year would be nice and uh, that would technically lead me on track for being done one third of the amount that I'm aiming to get done for the year, even though, because I'm trying to get the three associates done. So if I finish one of them within the first three or first four months, it would be technically on track, even though I know I probably can't finish the sysops one in th four months. So we'll see. I believe you. I believe it you. It depends on if I can knock out this dev one afterwards fairly quickly, because I might be able to make up some lost ground there. We'll see. But that's my goal focus on those and try to be healthy and active and get some sun basically just get spring spring stuff yeah Nathan's getting ripped y'all check out his Instagram <laughs> yeah for all the things I've posted I, my Instagram has been dead for like a year because I just stopped posting unless I was all my posts were about like hikes and I just haven't been doing a lot of that if you check out my Instagram, there's a photo of Nathan with like showing off his giant shoulder and bicep. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody needs yeah. to go see these. Next time I'm in, next time I'm in Victoria, I'm just gonna like take him on a hike and make sure like I capture the whole him flexing or something, and then yeah. make that the cover of our podcast. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that you mentioned that I was wearing a sleeveless shirt on a hike. <laughs> you took a picture of it already. <laughs> it's on public record we need to make sure you know people have good content if they don't come for the tech talk they might as well come for the flex talk you know right yeah that's there's a huge intersection between <laughs> developers and people that want to hear about that exactly there is a term tech bros that's fair we we are in that <laughs> we fall <laughs> you're not that wrong you're, okay you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's gotta be some overlap alright fair enough do you have anything else cool. for this episode? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Thanks, anybody. Uh, thanks, everyone. Sorry. Anybody. Uh, who listened. Anybody if you're out there. <laughs> anybody at all. <laughs> I'm just losing hope at this point. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, who listened to this. Um, yeah, please follow the rest of the series. In the next one, we'll capture 
should you quit your job, uh, the things leading up to it, uh, reason number four will shock you. <laughs> and <laughs> Employers hate him. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about other recruitment strategies and things to keep in mind, some resume prep, and other things that you're going to want to do probably while going through that interview process. Very cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Ha, 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 ha.